This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I wanted to catch feelings, but I just feel like I've got the ache. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Julia Craven, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And welcome back to the show, Julia. Julia is a health and wellness reporter and one of my absolute favorite people to follow on Twitter. I'm so glad you're back with us. Thank you. I'm so excited you're here, Um, not least because last time you were on the show, I think you had one of the most, like, supportive responses of your friends (laughs) when (laughs) the show got tweeted. (laughs) So many people were like, when's Julia coming back? And I was like, your squad rolls deep. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, They really speak to the importance of, like, having a community. Um, Mm -hmm. So they ride for me because I ride for them. So how have you been in, you know, the extremely non-eventful month and a half since you were last here with us? You know, nothing important's happened. Oh, not (laughs) a single thing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. No, I have been... I've been okay. I've mostly Mm -hmm. been staying offline. I don't think... The last time I was here, Elon hadn't taken over Twitter yet, though. Had he? Yeah, I don't think it was official at that point. I feel like we would have talked about it, and I don't think we did. Honestly, I can't. What is time anymore? It might have happened. It might not have. (laughs) It was definitely in the air. It's possibly happening, but so much has happened since then when he took over. (laughs) Yeah, well, now my account may or may not be notable um, as a legacy (laughs) verified account. (laughs) Um, So that's pretty much the biggest change is that I went from this account is notable because it's in news to maybe, maybe not, girl. I don't know. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) She got the blue check mark. She didn't pay for it. That's all we're telling you. (laughs) I see so many accounts tweeting ridiculous things, which we knew this was going to happen. Right. And like they're tweeting these ridiculous things. And then you see the check mark and you're just like. Hmm. Mm. And then you see like 400 followers and it's just like, oh, Mm. yes, yes. My favorite thing is when someone's in the replies to a tweet and they say something dumb and then someone just responds like they paid for their account. (laughs) And you're just like, drag them. (laughs) I guess I don't need to pay attention to what they're saying. (laughs) Yikes. That's crazy. I can't relate, though. Y'all be safe out here. Um, I can't relate, so y'all be safe out here. <laughs> Speaking of not being safe, have you heard that TikTok might be getting banned in the United States? I have. I have heard that. Um, I think it is very interesting. Yeah, that that is definitely the word for it. I also feel like I hear this every other month that TikTok is getting banned, and then it doesn't happen. But this time, it's real. Sort sort of. 
The U.S. Senate passed a bill to bar government employees from using TikTok on government-issued devices. And the bill still has to be passed by the House of Representatives before getting sent to Biden. But it's also not the first bill of its kind in that states like Iowa and North Dakota have also had bills like this that ban TikTok from state-owned devices over spying fears, which my reaction when I heard this was, like, is this necessary? And also, is that... Is, is this really different from banning government employees from downloading Tetris on their work laptops? Like, should they really have TikTok on their work phones anyway? But then I remembered the fact that I often like to suppress, which is that we don't know how much information TikTok has on us. Um, and thought maybe, you know, that there's some, there's, there's, this is maybe a good idea. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think it's kind of like a, a duh moment that you shouldn't have TikTok on your work phone, especially if you work for the government. You should not have any social media apps or really any apps, period, that are not apps recommended to you by your job on your work <laughs> phone. Um, again, particularly if you work for the government. And I would also kind of just add in with journalism, too. Mm -hmm. um, I know that that gets a little murky because so many of us use our personal phones. But if you're like me and you do have a work phone that you have, like, dedicated to sources, don't don't put no apps on there. Like, <laughs> just, just don't do that. Um, so, yeah, it's like kind of shocking to see this um, to see this become a big thing when it seems really, really just kind of like, well, why would that be on there anyway? What you watching TikTok at work for? Okay, that <laughs> I'm just like I watch TikTok at work for work. It is my job. Not that I wasn't doing it before, but I can always chalk it up to my job. But what are you as a person working at like the Department of the Interior doing on TikTok unless you're running the Twitter account for the Department of the Interior, you know? That's a very specific department and I would like to stop and ask why you chose that one. Um <laughs> I can't tell. It's truly the first one that came to my head. That was, was the like, first one, Rachel? Yes. It re I'm not even joking. <laughs> that was the first one that came to my head. Not EPA. No. Not agriculture. No. Nope. Interior. Yes. <laughs> that was probably funnier than it should have been, but it was... It was quite hilarious. Um, we were talking about something important. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, you know, we can stop talking about it because, like, the thing is, government employees <laughs> have much better work protections than most of us, so no one's going to get fired over this. But someone has recently gotten fired over their activity on TikTok. I don't know if you saw this before, nurses at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta recently posted a video about their ics about their labor and delivery patients. It went viral. My ick is when you come in for your induction, talking about, can I take a shower and eat? What? My ick is when you ask me how much the baby weighs. The nurses were swiftly terminated, and now there is a discussion about this trend that's not really new, but is getting increasingly pervasive, which is professionals like nurses, therapists, lawyers, who are attempting to get TikTok views off of anecdotes about their clients, which is, <laughs> I have some thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure you have some thoughts, Julia. 
So after a short break, we're gonna tell you about those thoughts and discuss, you know, the ethical considerations raised by a really simple question of who's allowed to complain about their jobs online. being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special. Special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Julia, I have a very important question for you, which is how do you go about complaining about your work online? Like we all have complaints about work. We're not even going to pretend that we don't. But so how Mm. do you go about wanting to get it out to the world? Do you post it for everyone to see? Are you like a Twitter circles person, a close friends Instagram, a Finsta? Or are you smart and you save it for the group chat? I put everything in the group chat. Um, There is not a universe, a multiverse, where you will catch me posting complaints about my job, like serious ones, on the internet. I might complain about, like, the rights of journalists, um, union contract type of things, supporting unionization efforts at other outlets and how um, I did do a thread maybe a couple years ago where I spoke about um, just kind of like the complications of being owned by a major corporation um, when I was at HuffPost, which at that time was owned by Verizon. And so that's about as far as I'm taking it. I, I would absolutely never in my life complain about a source publicly, though. That's insane. I... I feel like I've seen journalists do that and every single time. I'm just like, uh, the lack of fear of like God or death or anything is so present in some people, but same. <laughs> so next question, 
When do you first recall hearing the word ick in its current iteration? <laughs> I think mine was probably the first time I watched Love Island. I feel like it's a Britishism. No, you, can't, you can't go back. I've got the you ick. can't go back once yeah. you've got the ick. No way. Now I've got the ick. Everything he does actually annoys yeah. me. Does it? Yeah. Everything. When he speaks Everything. to you, like, shut up! <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Shut up! You've gone I'm, ick times I ten. Mean, just like little things annoys me. I think the first time I heard ick in this current iteration of it was actually on TikTok. Oh. Like, I, I don't really recall a definitive moment where I heard the word, more so than I just remember kind of being online one day and seeing a lot of ick videos. Right. And I was like, where did this come from? Why is everyone talking about icks? And it's giving me the ick that I keep seeing all these videos <laughs> about icks. And... So many of the icks are really stupid, too, but... <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, basically, icks are behavior that make you say, like, the original word ick, like, ew. As you can probably guess from the fact that I first encountered it on Love Island, I feel like it's usually used in the context of dating. So, you might say it, like, gives you the ick when a man expects you to pay on the first date or it's something like that. That is a very common one. Like Julia said, icks have taken over TikTok recently. I cannot scroll down my FYP without getting served videos where someone's talking about their icks. And it's not just dating. Sometimes there are videos where couples tell each other their icks. And then sometimes it's like a boss asking their staff what their icks about them are, which feels dangerous. Yes. <laughs> but I think my personal favorites have been when best friends do their icks about each other because I don't think anyone can drag you like your best friend can. This one's from at A the Stallion. My ick is her car. Not what it looks like. It's that every time I see it, there's a new dent and oh, she didn't do it. It's wicked out here. My ache is her obsession with Ari. She did her Ari is homegirls. Me Ari kicking. That's all we kicking. Y'all just don't know. I'll be behind the videos and those recipe ones. But um, um, my ache is her taste in men. Um, she goes for army country bunkins and they're probably racist against her. <laughs> Shut up. Not too much. My ache is her taste in men. That's funny. <laughs> that one is actually, that's really funny. I liked that one. <laughs> So that is one half of the environment into which this video from the nurses emerges. We are about to get to that. But the other piece of this puzzle is TikToks. And I think like the internet in general, and also people in general, like their very favorite topic, which is hyper-specific workplace complaints. If you're on TikTok consistently, you will have run into a barista or a bartender or a FedEx employee acting out their wildest encounters with customers. One of my personal recent favorites in this genre is an employee at a craft store um, at Kayla XX. Hi, how can I help you? I need 800 square feet of fabric. There is not a single roll of fabric in this store that has that much on it. I will order it somewhere, thank you. No, thank you. I place an online order and I'm here to see if it's ready. Okay, did you get a confirmation saying it was ready? No, I just placed it in the parking lot. Oh, it'll be a while. So to no one's surprise, I'm deeply nosy. 
and also convinced that people are at their worst when interacting with the service industry. So I love this shit. I love when people complain about customers on TikTok. It's injected. Yeah, I'm cool with complaining about customers on TikTok. I think retail workers, well, I don't think, like, I know, we know for a fact that retail workers catch so much shit unnecessarily. And I think it's totally fine to just be like, hey, this is really, really annoying. And this happens all the time. And then when you say something, this person gets like really upset or belligerent or violent in some cases. Mm -hmm. And it's just like over this ridiculous thing that I, as an employee, someone who does not own Target, (laughs) (laughs) incorporated, no control over. So we're clearly both fine with this genre, but this genre does bring us to the infamous video, which, as some of you might have guessed, has been deleted at this point. But nothing dies on the internet. So there are many versions floating around on Twitter and also on TikTok. So here is the video from the nurses about their icks. My ick is when you ask me how much the baby weighs and it's still and it's still in your hands. Dad comes outside and asks for a paternity test right outside the room door. Saying you don't want any pain medicine, no epidural, but you are at an eight out of ten. So when did you first see this video and what was your initial reaction to it? Uh, I first saw it, I believe it was over the weekend or earlier this week. And my initial reaction is that this is deeply unacceptable behavior from healthcare providers Mm -hmm. um, whose jobs are remarkably different than the Starbucks barista being mad, um, rightfully so, over a customer who's just being ridiculous. Um, Yeah, big, big difference there um, as far as context goes. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to get into that difference later, but... Yeah, by the time I saw this, the nurses had already been fired. Like, my first time seeing this was a tweet that said, those labor and delivery nurses who made a TikTok about their it all got fired. So the discourse had already been discoursing by the time I tapped in. And we're going to get into that a bit later, but I did want to share one particular facet of the reaction to this video, which is a bunch of people who had given birth decided to do what is a reverse ick, which is their icks about labor and delivery nurses, which... If you don't know how traumatizing giving birth in this country can be, you're in for a ride. Number one, when nurses make TikToks putting their patients on blast. My second ick is when my night nurse didn't listen to me when I told her that my epidural was not working. And she just said, oh, give it a minute. After two hours, she finally called the anesthesiologist. When they page anesthesiology and order you an epidural without your consent and tell you, if you don't get one now, you're just going to have to suffer because I'm not going to page them twice. My ick is upon being checked at four centimeters. My nurse said, wow, that's a lot of noise for four centimeters. Yeah, you know, I think that those videos just, they really speak to the reality of giving birth in America. And as we know, the U.S. has the highest maternal mortality um, rates in the world. Like, my mind was blown that any healthcare provider, but especially a group of mostly Black women who work with Black patients in a predominantly Black city would think that that was acceptable. Exactly. And that is, like, a big reason I wanted to have you on 
specifically because when you were at Slate, you wrote this really great piece called Congress Faces the Gut-Wrenching Facts of the Black Maternal Mortality Crisis. And this whole thing like reminded me of that piece because Emory, the hospital where the nurses worked at, is in Atlanta, which is a predominantly black city, which means most of these nurses' patients are most likely black people. And it's just like, this is one of the most vulnerable times that people can go through, like giving birth. And so the video made me go, eh, immediately, but then thinking about it harder in the context of where it was taking place really made me go, yikes. Yeah, it gave you a super ick, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, just to respond to that, I am going to do a little data dump here because I think that it's really important, like you said, to really flesh out that context. So just bear with me. I'm going to run through some numbers, but I'm going to make it sound fun. This is why I brought you on. <laughs> There's no bearing with you. <laughs> um, so let's let's start with Emory, um, specifically um, Emory Midtown, which is the hospital where this happened. So based on their 2022 community health needs assessment, which is a report that a lot of different health organizations put out annually, um, the community that this particular branch of Emory serves is 40% Black, and it's made up of mostly women. And the bulk of that same population makes less than $75,000 a year. So this is not like a super wealthy area. It's just like kind of, you know, middle class, mid-working class area. And so just to go back to that story... Let's just run through some of the stuff that's already in there because it's still pretty relevant um, and up to date. So black people who give birth in the U.S. are three times as likely to die during or after delivery. And there is no definitive reason for this, but systemic racism, lacking access to health care, weathering and funny enough, apathetic clinicians play a role in why this happens across class and educational lines in the states. And also in that piece, I have a 2019 study about how birthing people are treated by clinicians. 22.5% of Black patients report experiencing some type of mistreatment. Black babies, which are more likely to be premature, are more likely to die when they're treated by white doctors. Um, and typically, whenever Black birthing people have access to Black healthcare providers, they are more likely to survive birth and the period afterward. Um, I am not sure that that same concept or that same truth rather applies when the clinicians are apathetic. So I know that was a lot of data, but I really wanted to flesh out that context for this one. No, that was really important. And we're going to talk more about that context and the conversation that this video sparked off and the wider trend of medical professionals like these Emory nurses posting on social media after a short break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In 2007... 
TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. Hi, y'all. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening to ICYMI, then welcome. I am so thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, that is what ICYMI stands for. Also, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You are currently listening to Saturday's episode. And Wednesday's episode was an interview with NBC internet culture reporter Morgan Sung, where she told us why she spent 71 hours on Reddit in 2022. You definitely don't want to miss that. And we're back. Why, for the love of God, are medical professionals posting about their patients online? Like, this is wild to me that this is, this isn't the first time this has happened. This happens all the time. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of bonkers, honestly. Um, so a lot of these videos that we see of med professionals talking about their patients online, um, I do just want to say I personally have not seen any that violate HIPAA. I know people say that these are HIPAA violations, but because they are not giving out private information about a specific person um, or really any private medical information at all, they're just kind of talking about general broad circumstances that could apply to anybody. Um, They're not violating HIPAA. That being said, it's just really gross. Like navigating healthcare, especially as a Black person, especially as a Black woman um, in this country is already difficult enough. It's hard to find providers who actually care about you and who listen to you and who won't dismiss your symptoms and send you home when you're absolutely sick and you need care or just like brush you off as being belligerent or drug seeking or everything you're dealing with is psychosomatic. I mean, I could ramble on and on about the list of excuses provided to Black people, particularly Black people who give birth, um, Black women, Black femmes, Black queer people, et cetera, um, in this country. So it it is already difficult enough. And then to see medical providers especially ones who look like you and who you would feel more comfortable with, um, at least initially, seeing them just like trash patients online and kind of make light of a very harrowing experience. It was equal points disappointing. And it also pissed me off for every person who has had a bad experience with those nurses in particular every person who has had a bad experience with healthcare in particular, and every person who doesn't have access to quality medical providers um, who look like them and who actually care about them, which is something that we see more commonly in places like New York, D.C., L.A., et cetera, these bigger metropolitan areas. Um, So sometimes, particularly when you're talking about health, you have to be very, very sensitive about meeting people where they are. Um, and with any type of healthcare, you can't force people to do anything. You you really do have to be open to kind of hearing them out um, and just being receptive 
to what they're saying and being receptive to their concerns and then being willing to push back on them um, if you need to. And we saw a lot of that with the push to get people vaccinated for COVID, where I did this personal campaign where I was like, you can DM me if you're concerned about vaccines, you know, like we can talk about it. And I got a lot of folks where the general concern um, were things that, you know, they were just like bits of misinformation that they had heard. But when you don't know, you don't know. And so you just have to be willing to say, hey, like, I understand that. I get why you're scared. This is a scary thing. But, you know, the science doesn't support that belief. You know, um, do you have a doctor who you trust? And a lot of times, sadly, the answer is no, um, which loops us all the way back to the nurses, <laughs> which yeah. is that a lot of Black people don't even have care providers who they feel as though they can trust. And so... It, all of this is like just this big cyclical, like icky bullshit. And, and <laughs> it's like, it all just makes me so sad and so angry once again. <laughs> and like what you're saying about people not having like access to care or to somebody that they trust makes people who post about medical information on the internet even more important in that this is often yes. the only information people are encountering. And so on some level, it makes sense for me that medical professionals have taken to posting online or posting about their jobs, but it's so complicated. And I yeah. also am like not entirely sure that I believe that people who do things like the labor and delivery nurses or therapists or divorce lawyers who are posting about their clients should be fired because like, I know we both know the strains and pressures the nurses and therapists are under. And right. so I'm wondering, do you think that these people should have been fired? This might be controversial. Um, maybe, I don't know, but yes, I do. For every reason that I've already stated, I think that when you are in a position of power, um, and if you're a labor and delivery nurse, you're a therapist, you're a divorce lawyer, you're whomever, and you're working with people who are more vulnerable than you are most of the time, not always. Um, but particularly in healthcare settings, you are working with people who are less knowledgeable than you on like medical stuff. You are making anyone who may come in contact with you later or who has already been in contact with you feel unsafe. And I mean, I agree with you. And yet there's still something in my spirit where I'm like, I resent that, like the way that our work dictates what we can post on social media, like on our personal social yeah. media. Of course. But like you're saying, there's a line, right? Like there is a line. There's a difference between complaining about, you know, whatever happens in hospitals that everyone deals with and the very specific way that these nurses were complaining about people. Right. And I think something else that contributes to the blurriness, especially in the case of medical providers, is that there is very much like a class of medical influencers. Like... 
I think of all the doctors who became super well-known during the pandemic, some rightly, a lot wrongly. Or like the fact that my mother knows who Sanjay Gupta is. Or even like Orna Garamik, who hosts Couples Therapy on Showtime, which is so good. Such a great show everyone should watch. But what you were saying about what you did in the wake of COVID vaccines being made available makes sense to me that there's a really big difference between being kind of placing yourself as an expert, as someone who is trying to give information to more people and being someone who is just like, these people are my content. I will make them my content. Right. It's so fascinating because like you see people do it really well and then you see people do it in like a really sketchy way. Like I see all of the dermatologists on TikTok. So many. And maybe like dermatology and plastics are like an easier way to yeah, get into it. Yeah, why is that? Because <laughs> we like the way that we look. Like we're vain, right? Or you, I am. I no, can't you no. You can I speak am. for me. Speak for me. <laughs> all I care about is being hot. So of course, like I follow all of these Girl dermatologists mm-hmm. and like plastic surgeons or whatever. Um, and so like they do it in such a really fun way. I think like even a good example of like walking that line and walking it really, really well mm-hmm. is probably Dr. Miami's TikTok. Good morning, everybody. My name is Michael. They call me Dr. Miami. I'm a plastic surgeon and I make people feel better about their bodies. This is a day in my life. First thing is I look at my schedule of surgeries for the day. Before I go to so, and this might be controversial. I might get dragged. If I do, that's okay. We're here for controversy. Um, but like, so Dr. Miami's TikTok, instead of making fun of individual patients, they kind of poke fun at this very like pervasive culture around plastic surgery now, particularly Mm. BBLs, right? Mm -hmm. And so they do it in a way where they walk that line and sometimes they do cross it. Like there was one where they kind of like make fun of patients for like not wearing the faha or whatever and expecting to keep their results. And I'm just like, that's kind of, because like, are you explaining to people how long it needs to stay on? So I'm just like, Mm. I ain't really like that one that much. But then they have another one where he's like, pretending to like a patient's boyfriend so that way he'll pay for the surgery. And I'm just like, (laughs) that's a really like smart, funny way of kind of like Mm -hmm. getting at the the type of stuff that you see without picking on patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. No, I think that's really true. I think that unless, you know, it feels like what we're coming down to is unless you're Dr. Miami occasionally, Don't post. (laughs) Occasionally. (laughs) This episode is presented by Best Buy, and I am here with my producers, Daniel Schrader and Daisy Rosario, who are here to talk to me about the holidays, specifically the holidays on the internet. So I have a question for y'all. You know I love to ask questions. Always. And I remain excited and scared. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) This one's a light lift, which is, is there any holiday tradition or holiday, you know, ephemera that Mm -hmm. the internet has made you rethink or reconsider? I would say for me, it's like, there are things that I love every year that the internet helps me 
you know, both feel better about and kind of roasts me about passively. Right. So it's like when, when, like it's not the Christmas time, but when Halloween comes around, like I'm a, I'm a candy corn person, you know what I mean? So like all of a sudden, right. You understand where I'm going. Right. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. I can't explain it to people, but I just adore it. So for me, the Christmas equivalent of that or the holiday equivalent of that is the movie, the family stone. Which <gasps> oh. I really enjoy watching and I also get why other people hate it, but it's just fun to me to be online and see other people either completely love it or hate it so passionately. I actually listened to a uh, Real Housewives recap podcast where every year they do a Family Stone rewatch episode. What? Yeah, it's very fun. These are the deep cuts I need. I'll send it to you. Don't worry. <laughs> Please. <laughs> All right, Daniel. Okay, so I feel like I have two for this. Um, Of course. One of them is, I just have to thank Netflix for the Vanessa Hudgens cinematic universe. (laughs) Oh, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, Of course. That has like always mattered to me and I'm just really upset that there wasn't one this year because like for the past four years or whatever we got Vanessa Hudgens Christmas movies whether it was the princess switch or the princess switch two or the night before Christmas or the princess switch three like yeah oh there are three princess switches trust me she plays three different versions of herself it's brilliant but like her in Christmas movies is just Christmas to me now and we wouldn't have that if it weren't for Netflix and streaming television um but the other thing is hookup apps specifically oh my god i love opening wow. grinder on christmas yes. eve in church <laughs> <laughs> of course just, just to see who's around love no of it. course just to see who's around that's a beautiful use of grinder i'm gonna be honest i think that's what it was invented for thank you that's a fantastic yeah. reminder of how funny going on apps was when I was single. Thank you for that image. Like reminding me of December swiping because it was a special kind of swiping. Oh, it is. <laughs> special is definitely the word for it. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Um, so I would say mine is y'all know y'all know I love the Rankin Bass movies, obviously. The oh, animated yes. stop motion. I'm Mr. Snow Exactly. That's actually what I was about to talk about because that song is iconic in and of itself. But what I love is that every single year TikTok does these makeup videos to the song where people do one half of their face like Snow Miser and one half of their face like Heat Miser. And now I can't hear that song or watch that movie without thinking of extremely talented makeup artists on TikTok. And I love that for me. Yes. I mean, those are classics for a reason. This actually, I've been wanting to bring this up, but this is a great reminder. So Jules Bass, as in Rankin Bass, like Jules Mm -hmm. Bass, he just passed away in October. Oh, that's so sad. I know. It's sad, but it's also kind of amazing to realize that he was there this whole time because I think we all think of those specials as being so much older. They're forever. They've always been there. They feel ubiquitous. They really do. So shout out to, to Jules Bass. Shout out to Jules Bass and also shout out to Best Buy for sponsoring this episode. Uh, shop great deals on Gifts Now Best Buy for the rest of the holiday season. I mean, honestly, sometimes finding like who is streaming what can be tricky. So I actually did end up buying all the rank and best stuff from Best Buy. <laughs> like, As you should. Yeah. 
All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss someone getting fired for a TikTok. Please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions. And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader and Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and special thanks to Derek John. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. See you online. Or not. It's both like a noun, as in it gives me the ick, and then, wait, is that a noun? I don't know actually how, how any of the grammar words work. Anyways, you can use it like it gives me the ick, or this is an ick of mine, or thank you, my producer just told me that that is a noun. I'm a writer. <laughs> Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Stay big on Suncast Storage Sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big money.